Welcome to the Camp Camisol Family Reunion Podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Chet Kennedy. I am the Executive Director of Camp Camisol. My camp name is Reverend Lovejoy. On today's episode of the Camp Camisol Family Reunion Podcast, David Coop tells the story of Tom and his friends Matt and Jay. Later in the interview, he talks about his parents helping to set up the camp. He has some crazy tales of the early days at Camp Camisol. He also shares about how his view of camp is always changing the longer he has been serving out there. It's beautiful the way Camp Camisol changes our hearts the more time we spend there. One of the best things, in my opinion, about Camp Camisol is the campfire talks. So imagine with me a perfect night. The skies are clear. The beautiful sunny day is given way to dusk as the campers make their way to the campfire circle. Our maintenance team has built a majestic fire that throws off light and heat as the air turns from hot to cool. And as the stars begin to blink into view, our focus turns to the campfire speaker. Campfire is one of those things that we do at Camisol. At the end of the day, we wrap up the day. Uh, we come together, all staff, all kids, and uh, we just enjoy a great time uh, at the campfire, closing off the day. Um, we, we no doubt have have had a busy day. We've we've done some wrap up uh, earlier on. We've probably played a game, and we come to campfire just anticipating what God has in store for us. So, put yourself in that situation. We're at the campfire circle. It's been a glorious day. The sun's been shining. We we probably got down to the river. We went tubing. For some of us, it's the first time we've done tubing. Uh, and what an awesome experience it was. We, we played some crazy games, some bizarre games, some games that maybe we played before, but maybe some games that we haven't played before. And we got to know some new people, some different people, maybe maybe somebody in our cabin that we hadn't really connected with before, or maybe just somebody from another cabin, or we had a chance to talk to a staff member. Um, it's been a good day. And we've come to campfire. We've done some campfire things. Uh, maybe we did some crazy things at the start of the campfire. Um, We've, we've done maybe some rain, we've done a little bit of exercise, we've done some back rubs, we, we've done something just to get us going. And then as campfire comes underway, we have split sticks. If you're at week six, split sticks comes up and he usually leads us in a bunch of songs, some crazy songs sometimes. Romans uh, is one of those songs that maybe split sticks led. And then we get into some of the more serious worship songs. And then Split Sticks says a final prayer. And as Split Sticks is praying about what's coming up, the story and the rest of the night, uh, Motor gets up. Motor gets up and stirs that campfire. The campfire sparks and, and listens and a little few embers. He puts on a few extra logs. And it becomes quiet. 
the stars are out. It's a warm night and we listen. We listen for the story. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, had to, I had to know, I had to see it for myself. What's wrong with that? Oh, I, oh, oh sorry. I, you must think I'm crazy. Here I am talking to myself like, like a crazy person. You know, hey, hi, I'm, I'm Tom. Um, you know, let me tell you, I, I've been hanging around with a bunch of guys for the last while, and, and, and it's been crazy. Well, well, good, but interestingly, interest, and, and especially the last couple of weeks, bizarre. I, it just, you know, we've done some amazing things. There's, there's been a bunch of us. We've done some traveling. We've done some wild and crazy stuff we've, we've never done before. And and we've we've gotten into trouble. Well, not not really trouble, you know, but well, sort of trouble. I mean, yeah, we. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I mean, well, you know, sort of like what you guys have been doing this week here. Anyways, I've been hanging out with these guys for a while now, and oh, you know, maybe you know my good buddy, buddy Matt. Did, Matt, do, does any do you know nobody? No. Nobody knows Matt. Well, you know, he's kind of a popular guy. He's he's smart. He he talks a bit. Um, and you know, he can tell a pretty good story. A pretty good, and you know what? He's actually pretty good with money. And it, it kind of helps too that he has some money as well. Oh, and you know, I think I think I've seen him taking notes on some of this crazy stuff that's been going on, like like a diary over the last couple of years, you know let you in on a secret i think he's going to write a book i I, you you just watch for it i think it's going to be a bestseller i can see it now tom and matt's excellent adventures what do you think about that sounds good right well (laughs) you know so maybe it'll be matt and tom's excellent adventures that'd be okay too you know as long as it's not just like matt's excellent adventures and my tagline buddy tom we, we've been good buddies for all this while, and, and I'd, I'd like to get some credit for what's going on. Well, whatever. It, it's been, it's, it was a while back that I was hanging out with Matt at the store when this guy, Jay, comes in and starts talking to Matt. He and Jay seemed to hit it off right away. Matt and Jay were laughing about stuff. In fact, Matt, invited Jay, me and some of the other buddies over to his place for food later that night. We had a great time at Matt's place. Then, then some of the guys started to cause some problems. But you know what? Jay stepped in and handled them. Matt and I were so impressed with Jay and the way that he handled things. Matt and I started to hang out with Jay and some of, some of his other's friends Matt was a pretty interesting guy. Pardon me, Jay was a pretty interesting guy, and Matt was too. And, you, you know, I told you that Matt was a smart guy. Well, you know what? I, I think Jay was actually a genius. <laughs> Jay loved to talk. Jay would talk about anything. And he'd talk, and before you know it, as he was talking, people would stop and they would begin to listen. He didn't seem to mind that the people were listening in on things. In fact, he kind of liked talking to people in crowds. And sometimes the people in the crowds would ask him questions or comments. 
And you know what? Jay, Jay usually answered them. He, he talked to them. Honestly, sometimes I was a bit confused with what Jay was saying. It, it, I, I didn't always buy into everything that Jay was saying at times. A lot of these people seemed to really like Jay and what he was saying. Jay not only liked to talk, but he also liked to help people. And Jay often would get us to help him help people. It, it actually was kind of fun. Hey, you know, I remember this time. We were hanging out with Jay and the guys, and there was a bunch of people around. And, you know, Jay was doing his thing, uh, you know, talking. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, he'd been talking for a little while, and, you know, we all started to get a little bit hungry. And then you wouldn't believe it. Jay turns around to us and says, hey, why don't you guys go feed them? <laughs> you, you should have seen Matt's face. Uh, well, actually, all of our faces, it was a riot. I, you know, I should, I should probably tell you about this some other time. Anyways, J Jay was a pretty neat guy and hung out with us actually quite a bit. He really seemed to care about us. He talked to us. He, he'd asked questions. He, he did stuff with us. You know, if you thought Matt was a popular guy, oh man, Jay was way more popular. Sometimes when we were out in the street with Jay, people would swarm us. I mean, like literally swarm us. Jay was pretty good about this sometimes. And when, actually, most of the times, he, in fact, I remember this time where there were so many people around us that they crowded in. And you know what? Jay had to back up and back up. And before I know it, he was in the boat and the boat had to take him out into the lake. It, it was, oh, I, I, I guess I should tell you about that story, but maybe some other time. Yeah. And you know what? There was also some, so, some paparazzi. I mean, especially later on, they, they really seemed to get in the way. Jay talked to a lot of people, and really, people really liked to listen to Jay. I, I didn't understand what Jay was saying at first, but the more I listened, the more it seemed to make sense. Like I said, Jay really liked helping people out. That's, that's when it was really crazy. People would push in, try to get close to him, try to touch him, try to, to, try to reach out to him. Of course, the paparazzi were especially interested in those times and wanted to push in and try and get you know that perfect picture, that perfect shot of what was going on. Jay didn't really like that. And you know, sometimes he stopped them and sometimes he called it out. They didn't like being called out. They they would stop for a bit. They would back up for a bit. But, you know, it wouldn't be long. And they would be back. Yeah, it was fun hanging out with Jay and Matt. Jay really seemed to like hanging out with us, too. Then, one night, actually just a couple of weeks ago, we were all having a great time at, at, at this dinner. It, it was awesome. Everyone was there. Everyone was there. And then, and then all of a sudden, Jay says, in the, in the middle of all this, I'm going to go away. What? Everything's going great, he said. I, I, like, I don't, I don't understand this. He says, don't worry. I'm just going to go away for a little bit to get some stuff ready. And and you know you'll you'll be able to come find me. Everyone kind of got, kind of got quiet. What? Going away? Do some stuff without us? Like and and where 
where how how are we gonna find you i i didn't get it and the other guys were quiet and and looked just as just as confused as i was it, it didn't make sense to me and i asked him what where are you going how will we know where you're how to get there like to find you <laughs> jay answered to get to know my father to get to my father you need to know me you know me you know my father what then some of the other guys started asking questions uh, honestly i got a bit confused at times jay talked about jay talked about a lot of stuff he talked about sending someone to help us that that seemed pretty cool the more jay talked the more we started to understand what he was saying, it, it, it actually sort of was kind of neat. Things were starting to make sense. And then, <laughs> you know, just as things were starting to make sense, it got really bizarre. We left dinner and we went for a walk and then some cops showed up and they arrested Jay. Jay of all people, they hauled him away. And then some of us followed us, and, and then Jay gets in front of this, this judge guy, and the judge guy starts asking him questions, really kind of bizarre questions. And, you know, there was a whole bunch of people, like a ton of people, and they really didn't like Jay. And, and you know what? Before, they, before you knew it, they, 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 they decided to, to sentence Jay to death. Like, what? He hasn't done anything. And before you know it, Jay was gone. He was dead. I needed some time alone to try and get my head wrapped around this, to, to get it straight, to, to, to try and make sense of what, what happened. And it was a couple of days later, I heard some of the guys say that Jay was back. Yeah, really, <laughs> not possible. Jay, Jay's gone. He's dead. Like, just get, move on. Get over it. I, unless I see him for myself, I, I just, I, I'm not buying into this. You know, it was about a week later, and I was hanging out with the guys again. And this time, you wouldn't believe it, Jay showed up <laughs> he, he showed up and you know what he came over to me and he said thomas it's me jay stop doubting and believe i get it i believe i believe you jay it's all starting to make sense now i can see you for myself. You know, no doubt by now, you realize kind of the story that I've been telling. And Matt, you know that guy Matt? Well, that's, that's Matthew. <laughs> and Tom, you know me, Tom? Well, that's Thomas. And Jay? Yeah, that's Jesus. And you know, no doubt, many of us, like Thomas, have a lot of questions. We have a lot of good questions. We have questions that we want to ask that we, we, 
we want answers for. And you know, like Thomas, sometimes the answers make sense. Sometimes the answers don't make sense. And you know what? Sometimes there isn't an answer to the question. But that doesn't mean that we should stop asking the question. That doesn't mean that we should stop asking the why, the how, the what. What is it, Jesus? What is it? You know what? For some of us, we don't know what ask, what questions to ask. This this may be new to us. This this Jesus, this Matt, this this Thomas, this 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 thing about Jesus dying and then coming back to life. We we just we don't know it. We don't get it. We don't understand it. And you know what? That's okay as well. You know what? For some of us, we just need to hang out. We just need to to look. We just need to investigate. We just need to ask some of those questions. We need to get clear in our minds. What is it about this Jesus? Hang out. Talk to some friends. Grab a Bible. Start reading. Ask the questions. Jesus, who are you? What's going on? And I know for many of us, stepping away from that campfire scene, to where we are today to say Jesus what's going on this world doesn't make sense this virus this COVID thing it, it's really messing up my life Lord I don't get it how come I can't go to school how come I can't hang out with my friends how come I I can't go to work how come I don't have a job why Lord why me? What's going on? The amazing thing about all of this is Jesus wants us to ask those questions. He's big enough. He's great enough. He is the Almighty God who has the time to listen. He has the time, he has the patience for us to ask those questions, to seek him out. And he has the answers for us. They may not be the right answer, or at least according to us, they may not come in the time that we want it to be. But he has the answers. In fact, he is the answer. And so my challenge, my challenge to you, to me, to all of us, is to seek him, to seek Jesus, to ask those questions, and to rely on him for those answers. Let's pray. Oh God, you're a great God. I am so glad for the story, for the stories that, that you've given us, for the story that, that you have 
written out for us, for us to read, to see, and to understand what's going on. Lord, I thank you for Thomas, and I thank you for the way that he got hooked in. He got in with this crowd, these disciples. He, he got pulled in. He got in with you, and he began to see and to witness some of these things. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that, that he asked questions. I thank you, Lord, that, that he wasn't sure, that he took the time to figure some of this stuff out. I know some of the stuff doesn't make sense for him. And I know for us, Lord, it doesn't make sense as well. But I know, Lord, that you're a God of love, that you care for us, that you want only the best for us. And I know, Lord, sometimes we think we know what we, <clears throat> what would be the best for us. But Lord, I know that your way is the best way. And your love for us is the best love for us. And so, Lord, help us in our doubts. Help us to ask those difficult questions. Help us to understand in, in just some small way what is going on, Lord, and to, to put our trust in you to know that you are in control of all of this. Our day-to-day lives, the day-to-day decisions that we need to make. Lord, thank you that you are a God that loves us and cares for us and wants to engage with us. Help us, Lord, to ask the questions, to seek you, because in our seeking, we know we will find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, I, I want to let you in on a little secret. You know, yeah, Matthew did take a whole bunch of notes. And, and you know what? Matthew actually did write a book. And, you know, it wasn't Tom and Matt's Excellent Ventures. It wasn't anything like that. It actually simply was Matthew. <laughs> and that's the first book in the Bible. And you know what? If you want to find out a little bit more about Thomas, you can have a look at, at John. John 20. In the end of John 20, chapter 20, I think around verse 24, you can read a little bit about the dialogue between, between Thomas and Jesus. God bless. Have a good night. Excellent. Thank you so much, David. All right. So I, I love your speaking voice. Um, I just think your storytelling skills are so good. Uh, so thank you so very much for being on this. This would not be a good season one without um, David Quab. So thank you so very much. Um, I really enjoyed your campfires last year. So oh, thank you. <laughs> thanks for jumping in on this. Um, so if let's... Was, if I was to be selfish, I have to say I enjoy campfires. Oh, totally. That's, yeah, that is absolutely my favorite part about camp is the campfires. Um, well, let's get into our questions here. Um, I may jump off script and ask you a few questions um, off book. And if you're like, um, I'll pass on that or whatever, go ahead. And I do edit the podcast. So um, I cut stuff out for sake of time and also to make sure that we get rid of ums and ahs or whatever. So 
right. All right, but let's start with the first one. Let's just um, tell us a bit about yourself. What's your name? What's your camp name? Who are you married to? Who are your kids? Oh, whatever you want to kind of tell us about who you are. All right. Well, uh, my name is David Quap, and uh, I am married to Diane Quap, and uh, I have two girls. Uh, Maria and Christina. My camp name is Grit, and I'll just tell you a little bit of the background as to my name, Grit. Uh, that came about uh, because my parents uh, were named Gravel and Gertie. <coughs> Gravel and Gertie got their names uh, because they were there to help build camp. And uh, I, as a kid, uh, was out there pre preschool uh, out helping to build camp. So I have fond memories of camp. Uh, the lodge before it was the lodge, uh, building the fireplace in the lodge, uh, spending a night or two out on what were platforms and army tents. Um, so that's that's a bit about that. So uh, Gravel and Gertie, uh, when I was a CIT, I got the name Grit. Uh, my wife joined me um, a few years back, and um, <clears throat> as uh, as things go, uh, we go through a naming exercise and. Uh, my wife ended up getting the name True. And so uh, we are True Grit. Uh, so that's kind of the pairing that's happened there. Uh, since then, my kids have also come out. So my oldest, Maria, uh, has gotten the name Keys. <clears throat> and uh, that's because she enjoys playing the piano. And then my daughter has also come out, and uh, Christina, and her name is Horse. And uh, because she enjoys horse horses. <laughs> that one that one makes sense to me. Is <laughs> um, it horse? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, okay. It's been a whole year. Oh bad hey. Yeah. Um I'm actually so, I want to learn a little bit more about this um the lodge build. So um because I don't have that many people on the podcast who have that much history. Can um can you give me some some thoughts like what what did your parents do in in that lodge build what was some significant moments in that anything you want to share with that uh, well yeah um i guess my parents along with randy carter and uh, pardon me brad let me try that again ron carter <laughs> um <clears throat> and a number of other people who if i start naming names i'll, I'll miss out a few people but um I well remember uh, traveling out into the Wipers Valley and and uh, trying to find this place where where we were going to put camp. Um, I, I remember uh, the foundation going going down and kind of that first level being built, and then for weekends I remember coming out and uh, putting up the second story and and the uh, the trusses across the um, a truss across the lodge. Um, we would, as family, come out, um, myself, my sister. At the time, we were kind of of that age, and uh, we would just explore the valley while mom and dad <coughs> did did some of the work. Uh, dad did construction. Um, he also did some design stuff. So the uh, the trusses that are up in the lodge are his design. Um, there, in fact, there's even some pictures of him doing that. Um, the fireplace, uh, finding all of those stones to build the fireplace. Um, I have, I have, I have vivid memories and pictures of just that fireplace being partially up there, and, and just more bricks, more bricks were 
in this case, more stones. Um, I, I remember actually going out, uh, I, it was during the winter, in fact, uh, if you've been out to camp, <clears throat> one of the first bridges that you cross is, is a big concrete bridge. Uh, back in the day, it, it was not a concrete bridge. Uh, and this isn't the one before the creek. This is actually the one um, just after the what's now the campground zones there. Um, I remember being in the, the camp used to have a red uh, Range Rover and in with a hundred pound propane tank and we couldn't go across the bridge. We had to go across the river, which was all iced up. Uh, I think we were going out uh, to do some open up camp in the winter. Um, so yeah, I, <clears throat> I could go on with the stories of us uh, at camp. Um, my sister falling into the dishwasher sump. <laughs> Uh, the dishwasher used to just empty out into a pit. And uh, we as kids were out playing and uh, my little sister fell into uh, into this pit. Uh, so a lot of things have changed since uh, since those times. Obviously, there's been cabins uh, put up. Uh, the old generator shack is still there, but it's been moved off. Uh, the old wash house used to be, well, used to be an ATCO trailer with uh, two or three stalls in it. Uh, one uh, for the guys and one side for the girls. Um, so yeah, we spent a lot of time out there. In fact, um, if you, I'm not sure Connie Doe and her family, I'm not sure if Connie is doing any of the podcasts, but uh, the Doe's and the Co-ops, we would go out on weekends and we would do work fees. And uh, we, as kids, would have a great time hanging out at the river uh, while our parents were busy doing stuff, building things, setting things up. Um, the wash house, the wash house that still stands, uh, although a few shaky corners on it here and there. Um, the street lights that are out there, um, those actually, I think my father sourced, he worked in the city of Calgary. And so I have <clears throat> actually fond memories of us um, rigging up the, the light posts and dad just working with a number of other men there to say, all right, this is how we're going to lift these posts up. There was no crane. Uh, we didn't have cranes. We didn't, everything was just done by um, ingenuity, I'll say. And so a big street light, uh, the city street light that hangs over the lodge. Um, I can remember well how that all went up and uh, into the foundation and the other lights that are there. So anyways, lots of history there. Wow. Thank you very much for that history. Um, I don't always get it um with with some of the directors season one of the podcast is directors and storytellers so um and some of the current directors were not around um no. that far so thank you so very much for the history so let's go into how did you get involved at camp camisole um kind of did you move through the ranks did you just get born into director of week six how did that all come about well as i as I've alluded to, um, camp was just something that, that we did. Um, so even before I was a, a grade three age, um, uh, we were already out at camp as a family and uh, we were spending time out there. So it just, <clears throat> when I came through grade three, it was just a thing to do uh, to go to camp. And so grade three to, th to 12, um, I was out there as a camper. Um, I think it was grade 11 or 12, I forget exactly, but I, of course, went out as a CIT 
and worked as a CIT. My parents were also out there as workers. Um, Dad did some counseling, mom did counseling as well, and then she moved into into the kitchen. Uh, and so with that legacy, it, it just um, it just carried on, and I uh, ended up being a CIT. And my first week as a CIT, I was there under um, Walter Frailer uh, Brush. And uh, he was one of the guys that uh, helped with my name because uh, he obviously knew my parents. Walter spent a lot of time out there. And uh, so um, that's, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, out of high school, uh, you know, into the college years, I did kind of step away from that for a bit. Uh, and then uh, in my singlehood, um, I was looking for things to do. Uh, to fill in my vacation time, and I came back to camp as as a as a counselor. So I've been a counselor. I think, uh, well, actually, I know for um, for elementary weeks. I've been a counselor for junior high and been counselor for senior high. So um, I have been through all of the gamuts of that. Um, and then uh, I guess as I was counseling, kind of the opportunity came up to to get into the program to do a little bit of program uh, that kind of came up uh, in and around through uh, with Joy Raniker and, and group. And, um, <clears throat> and then a number of years back, uh, there was an opportunity for a junior high director. And um, I got asked kind of the last moment to, uh, to direct a junior high and going, okay, you know, yeah, I've, I volunteered as a, as a counselor, so I think I can do this uh, directing thing. Uh, did the directing thing, did junior high for, I don't know, three, four, five years, um, a while. <clears throat> and then uh, there was a need for an elementary director. And uh, we had been working on bringing up some junior high directors. And so we had somebody who took over the junior high week that uh, I'd been doing. And then I moved into uh, the elementary. And I think this might be the 11th year that I've done the um, elementary, or would have been the 11th year I've done the elementary week. So <clears throat> wow, that's kind of the journey that I've been on it, uh, with camp. That is a great journey. And why are you still involved in Camp Camisol after all these years? <laughs> well, my story has kind of changed on that. Um, so initially, I'd say selfishly, yeah, for me, uh, it was fun. Um, not only fun, but it was a great spiritual um, place and blessing. Um, I, I have fond memories of camp and, and some of the decisions that I made there, some of the things that I saw and witnessed. Uh, the directors and the staff at the time had a great way of bringing that in very personally to us. Um, so for me, <clears throat> as I kind of worked through the counseling, it was great to get to know some of the kids. Um, I got to, I got to, to work with kids that um, were some of my peers, uh, some of my parents' uh, kids. Um, and to be able to, having been, having worked in elementary, junior high, and senior high, um, I got the privilege of sometimes counseling them at these various ages and stages. And so it really became interesting to me to watch kids develop and grow and uh, enjoy that. <laughs> uh, I then married. And then uh, given my experience at camp, I wanted to make sure that Camisol was there for my kids. 
Uh, I wanted to make sure that the legacy that I had grown up with, uh, the experiences and the knowledge and the opportunity that I had to go to camp was there for my kids. And so for a number of years, I would tell you that uh, I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm working at Camelsall. I'm doing whatever I can to keep Camelsall going for my kids so that they can get through camp. Mm. And um, I can now tell you that uh, my kids are now through camp. And I'll say in the last two years, three years, um, my focus has changed in camp. It's not that it's no longer for my kids to get through camp. My kids have now gone through camp. Um, it is now for my kids to become staff and to, to carry on that legacy. And uh, over the last two, three years, two years, I think it is, uh, maybe three, uh, my kids um, have also come out as workers at camp. And uh, they too have have great and fond memories of that. So again, you know, depending upon where I was in life, my reason for camisole changed. Uh, but but in all of that, I would say, again, and and we hear this a lot. Uh, there's something special about the Wipers Valley, and the way that God touches people's lives. Uh, it is just amazing. Uh, how he has used that place in the ministry of Camp Hamasol. That is true. Can you share any camp memories or great spiritual moments that you have had at camp or maybe have you've watched in the lives of campers or staff? You know, uh, I'll say there, <clears throat> there's been so many. Um, you know, I'd, selfishly, I'd, I'd like to say I became a Christian at camp, uh, you know, that I made my decision at Camelsall. I, um, I didn't. Um, I, I did that um, elsewhere. But each year that I went, um, God impressed upon me his love um, of me and for me. And, um, and that would have been through some of the staff, some of the involvement. Um, you know, the Friday campfires, I, I was not an outspoken kid. Uh, I was a pretty quiet, pretty shy kid. Um, but there were times uh, that I had the nerve, I had the, the guts <laughs> to stand up in front of uh, this entire camp and uh, to profess my love for Christ and my desire to follow him. And so um, that's been amazing. Um, you know, th that's been interesting, but I, I would say for me, some of the more recently, some of the more spiritual moments and some of the things that I have really enjoyed. Um, as I said earlier, I've been, I think it's been 10 years or 11 years of doing week six. Um, and I would really say week six is a family. I have come to know some of these people in, in a way that, that is so unique. And uh, I say, I, I, I don't often see them outside of the week of camp, uh, but you know what, we get there and it's family. We talk, we share, we catch up on what's going on. And um, to me, it's been a real blessing to see people's life journey uh, through mm -hmm. this time. Um, I won't name names, but I, I, there has been so many kids that I have seen as campers that have come out as staff, uh, as CITs, 
and who have stayed on as CITs and have, have stayed on through to staff. And so it's been neat to see God work in their lives. Uh, as I said, I don't see a lot of them uh, weekly uh, or even monthly. Sometimes it is just that one week out of the year, uh, but to catch up with them and to see what God has been doing in them in their lives. That to me has just been a real blessing. And uh, yeah, I'm sad uh, missing that. Um, I have a good core team. I, I hate to brag on them, but um, I have a really good set of staff and uh, missing, missing seeing them, missing the excitement of getting together. And yeah, the kids are great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think for me, uh, having been director now for a number of years, uh, what I have learned is, is I need to build into my staff and it's the staff then that can reach out and to really work with these. So it's not to say I don't hang out with the kids, not to say I don't do things with the kids, uh, but I'm only one person. Uh, but with uh, 20, 30, 35, whatever number it is of, of staff that I'm in there, um, when we're all involved in a kid's life, that's when change happens. So true, so true. Can you give any, um, I know you have mentioned a bunch of names and I really appreciate that. Can you give some thanks or encouragement for any people who have helped your spiritual walk while out at camp? <clears throat> you know, spiritual moments, I guess. I'll go back to one. Um, so yeah, you know, Walter Freyler was, was that. and. Um, I'm trying to think of his real name. Um, some of the old timers would know uh, his camp name was Batman, uh, and he was uh, he was blind, <clears throat> and he came out to camp. And one of the things I think he was also diabetic. And one of the things that he had to do was he had to, had to go for walks, um, and so every after every meal. I think it was after every meal. Anyways, a camper was chosen to go out for a walk with Batman. And um, I well remember my name got called. <laughs> and I have to say, I dreaded it. It's like, oh no, I must be in trouble because I'm going out with Batman on a walk. Um, in fact, I, I'm sure I had that conversation with him and he says, no, no, I just, I need somebody to be my eyes and you're my eyes and uh, we talk. And uh, it was a good time. It was a great time. Um, so Batman being one of them, Prem. <laughs> Actually, this is another one of those. Um, I've known Prem for a long time and uh, known him in various capacities. And uh, he's he's been somebody who has spoken into my life in, in many ways. <clears throat> um, there's so many other names uh, that would come to mind as to people that have spoken into my life. Uh, it's uh, it's been amazing. Mm. What would you say is significant or unique about Camp Camisol in comparison to other camps? Well, I would say I don't have a lot of experience in other camps. Um, I've been Camp Camisol on staff, I think, 25, 26 years. So um, <clears throat> I can't say that I have... Um, experience other camps, but what I hear and what I know and what I see, uh, Camisol is unique in, in many ways. Um, first of all, volunteer. Um, since day one, uh, Camisol has been a volunteer organization. And, and what is so unique about it is we have been able to find people 
through the many years, um, we've been able to find people who will take a week of their time, their vacation time, to come out to camp and to participate in what is going on at camp. Um, it, it's very unique as well in that, <clears throat> and, and this is something, again, I as a director work very carefully and hard on my week, is, is it, it's a unique place where, from a staffing point of view, we get um, people from all various walks of life. Uh, we have engineers, we have doctors, we have nurses, we have dentists, we have students, we have you name it. Uh, people with various trades or skills, backgrounds. Um, we have people who take their week out of their life to come to camp. And for one week, we form a team. And that team's focus is to honor God and to glorify God. And I think it's very unique that for one week out of the summer, um, we can get 20, 30, upwards of 35 or six people together with a single focus and a single mission of building into kids' lives. Um, and I think that is very unique. <clears throat> we hit the ground, <laughs> sometimes not knowing each other, uh, sometimes knowing each other for a long time, um, but right off the bat, we begin to work as a team. And it is amazing how God interweaves all of that. Um, all of the t skills and the talents that um, that people bring uh, to camp, um, their backgrounds. Uh, one of the things that I'll tell my staff is each of you are here uh, because there is a kid or a staff member here that needs you here. And you will have a unique ministry. And that has been proven to be true uh, for all of these years that I've done that. So volunteerism is very unique. Um, Camp is, from a program point of view, from a facility point of view, it is so basic. Um, you know, for, I've, I've done program for a number of years involved in that whole side of things. And, you know, I'll say sometimes the simplest things are the best things. Uh, you know, so often you see these videos about kids getting a gift and, you know, all the parents and everybody is so excited about the gift and the kid tears the, the package open and tears the wrapping paper off, looks at the thing in the box, and the box is the thing that is the most fun. <laughs> and you know what? In so many ways, that's kind of what camisole is. It's, you know, glitz, glamour, no. You know what? It is just... It's a pure enjoyment of being, being there as staff and being there as kids in the simplest and humblest ways of us just being people, not caught up in technology, uh, just enjoying each other and having fun, laughing, doing some crazy things that we would never do at home, uh, <clears throat> that we would never do anywhere else, uh, but it can't. And to be able to share that with kids, um, yeah. Um, and the situation, the surroundings, um, to be isolated, to not have cell service, to not have historically internet access, um, just to be actually isolated, as many of us have been for the last number of months, but, but to be able to step away from all of that and to be able to just focus in on the kids, um, on the staff, and on what God is doing and wants done in our lives. Um, that, again, is a unique thing about Camisol.
So I could go on, <laughs> but uh, there's just a few things that come to mind. Oh, excellent. So last question, why should our listeners continue to support Camp Camisol? Well, as you've heard from me, I think the ministry of Camisol is very unique. Um, it has been run by our volunteers. It has been, it's been, it's been formed. It continues to get its guidance from volunteers. Um, I, I don't think any of us, uh, me specifically as a director, I mean, I step out of my work life uh, to become a director, a camp director for one year, um, or me, one week out of the year. Um, it has afforded me opportunities that I would never have had anywhere else. You know, we often say from a camp point of view, you know, Sunday school teacher, great. You know, you get to see kids one hour every 52 weeks. Um, we get to live with these kids 24-7. And um, the kids are watching. And I tell my staff that all the time. The kids are watching you when you're sleeping, when you're not sleeping, when you're having fun, when you're not having fun. They are constantly watching you. And the best thing that we can be doing is being a representative of Jesus Christ and to be pointing him away pointing them away from us to Jesus Christ. Mm. And that I think is has been the ministry of Camp Camasol. And it would be my prayer that it would continue to be the ministry of Camp Camasol. It's not the best, it's not the greatest, it's not the most phenomenal camp out there. But it's a camp that chooses, has chosen, will choose, and should continue to choose to honor Jesus Christ in everything that it does and to bring people to that point, whether it's campers, whether it's staff. And I can think actually a number of, of campers and even staff who have gone into full-time ministry, um, who, have, who have had the privilege of coming to camp. And it would be my prayer and desire that, they, that their children and others uh, would be able to come to experience Camasol, to experience Christ, and to be able to mark that decision uh, that they have made or may have made at Camasol and to take that with them out into the world. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Camp Camasol Family Reunion Podcast. If this episode has inspired you, please share it with your friends. Please continue to pray for the ministry of Camp Camisol and the best way to support us financially is through setting up a monthly donation on canadahelps.ca. Thank you for listening.